Welcome back to our 34th episode of the Launcher Farm Show, where I interview Andre Chin with Keller Williams in Waterloo. In this episode, Andre and I talk about why it can be worth it to work with a more experienced agent to learn the business when you're new. Andre shares how he built a solid system that generated him a ton of business in his farm and how he scaled it up. And we talk about what you can do to increase your responses from your print marketing and how to get more leads. Andre shares a super easy way to break into your farm by becoming a force in the neighborhood. And we talk about how to stick with a budget and implement systems that you can leverage to grow your farm further. Plus a ton of other ideas that you can use to grow your geographic farm. So be sure to check out this episode, like, and subscribe and enjoy the episode with Andre. Welcome back to another episode of the Launcher Farm Show. I'm your host, Ryan Smith, and today we've got a great guest. It's Andre Chin, your mega agent from Waterloo Region. So Andre, take a second, tell us a bit about yourself and why you're here. Ryan, thanks for having me on. It's truly an honor, and I appreciate uh, being on, on Launch Your Farm. Um, you know, 10, 10 plus years in the industry. So I started in 2010, um, now, now obviously in 2021. Uh, broker of record and operating partner for Keller Williams uh, Golden Triangle in Waterloo Region. And then we run a mega team, Compass Real Estate Advisors, 2020, we did over 200 units, uh, 1.7 million in gross commission income. We're in three locations, we're in Hamilton, we're in Cambridge, and we're in Kitchener, Waterloo as well. And uh, yeah, just, just continuing to grow and build our business out with, uh, with all the tools and models that, that are taught to us. So what you're saying is you know a little bit about real estate, I'm guessing then. Yeah, a little bit, right? I mean, <laughs> kind of started started in the industry when everyone said not to start in real estate, which was, which was you know, at the time, I look back and I say, now it was the smartest decision I ever made. Back then, I always thought, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> um, coming into an industry post-recession. Um, and, and in Canada, we were still in the recession at that point in time. I got yeah. my license in 2009, um, kind of tried to wait a little bit. And then January 1st was my actual official start date in, in 2020. Or, sorry, 2010. So what got you into it? Because that's, I, I find that's an interesting story for a lot of people. A lot of, I find in my experience, most people don't plan to get into real estate. It's kind of something they fall upon or they, they luck into it, I guess. Yeah. What, what got you into the business? Um, you, you know, it's funny because it, it certainly wasn't my path. And I think like most, you know, real estate was either second or third career. I, I fit into that category as well. <laughs> so, so I'm a web developer, uh, computer programmer by trade. That's what I went to school for um, and, and got into that industry. I mean, went through school, was part of that and, and probably part of the, you know, the whole dot com boom where everyone was kind of pushing into that space. Um, did it for a number of years, but but really hated my life. Um, it was it was monotonous. It was the same stuff over and over again. I just felt uncomfortable being in the industry. So I was doing this for, for quite a while and I was working actually for a U.S. company out of, out of the Guelph area. I was commuting into Guelph. And when the recession hit in the U.S., 80 to 90 percent of this company's business came out of the U.S. And so when the U.S. market went went belly up and everything else that we were doing there, it started affecting us. And, and it, you know, I was already sort of in the process. So, I, you know, bartended for years, always had a second job or a second, third, fourth hustle. And um, I remember sitting, you know, with one of my clients at the bar and, and we were just sort of shooting the shit. And he said, um, you'd make a great mortgage agent. I was like, yeah, okay, whatever, no, no big deal. And then I had another one of my regulars come in and say, you know, you'd make a great realtor. And it just kind of kept happening over and over and over again. And then I had a, an agent um, out of Cambridge and she, she was sitting with, with me at my bar and 
she said, you know, you really should meet my broker record. You should really have that conversation. You know, I think you'd be great in the industry. We're always looking for talented people to come in. So I meet with this, this gentleman and um, we hit it off. You know, he, he runs me through the personality test and the this and the that. And every all, all signs point <laughs> to me, yes, you can do this. And, and I still wasn't convinced, but, you know, at the time I had a really good friend. He was looking at it as well. We ended up becoming business partners to start our career. But he, um, he said, well, let, let's start the courses. And then, boom, you know, that recession I was talking about hit. So, so here I am, you know, bartending in the evenings, doing, running my web design company, um, and then working this job. And business virtually goes to a halt. I get laid off. So all of a sudden, I'm I come in one Friday, and you know they hand me a box and a pink slip, and they say, uh, "Is your last day? You know, here's your offer. We're gonna give you three months of severance, and best of luck to you." Yeah. So you know, go to my lawyer. He's like, "Take the deal. It's three months. Whatever. You'll be okay." Yeah. Not thinking anything of it. So you know, I go to my manager. I say, "Hey, you know what? Give me some more shifts in the bar. I need to make an income here." And I've got this, this real estate license I've started and I'm in, I'm in phase two and hadn't written the exam yet. And at the time it was three phases and you could get your license. So I started thinking, you know, maybe, maybe I should look at this. Maybe this is the next option, but I don't do it right away. You know, I, I stay in the tech field. I start going on interviews and I start losing everything. Right? Like no one's hiring the, you know, what they want to pay isn't great. Um, no one's really building a ton of websites. The dot-com bubble is over. The real estate market's going sideways. <laughs> and, and here I am, you know, bartending to feed, feed my kids and my family. And uh, yeah, I just kind of looked at it one day and said, okay, like I, I, I'm meant for sales. I believe I should be in sales. I've got the gift of gab. I've been behind a bar for over 10 years and I, I should really pursue this in, in a more um, serious manner. And, and, you know, it happened coming off of an interview that I was more than qualified for the role um, and I didn't get picked for the role. And I found out later the, the other person they picked actually took an option to, to take a reduced salary to get the job. I didn't even know that was an option that you could, you know, don't pay me the 80 grand. I'll take 50, but please just give me the job. Absolutely. So, so it just frustrated me. And I, you know, I got sick of someone else controlling my future and controlling where I was going to end with my life and what, what my days were going to look like. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to get this completed. Um, everything says I, I should be a sales guy. I'm not a, a sit behind a desk. And, and that always showed up. I remember yeah. my managers just always coming back and going, Andre, will you go back to work? And I, you know, I'd be in the warehouse. I'd be talking to other staff. I'd be, <laughs> I'd be doing all this other stuff other than doing the programming and the web development. And so I kept getting told, you know, you're a natural for sales. You, you know, you're not the sit behind the desk for eight, eight to 10 hours a day guy. Um, and, and then, yeah, I, I completed my license and, went back to that original broker um, and, and had a great conversation and, you know, Bob's your uncle got, got my license and started. And that, that was my story. That's my origin story. That's great. It's yeah. I love hearing people's stories because it's sometimes they're identical and you can cut and paste people's stories. And sometimes people come up this crazy story of where they came from and how they got into it. And it's, it's always awesome here. So yeah. for you right from the beginning, you, you jumped right into the business. Once you got started, you started having success and farming is one of those strategies that you did put in place. I think it's important. I want because I want to dive into it, but I also think it's important to mention that you took advice from someone else and you followed a system, and I think that's really important. So let's dive into how you got started in farming and what that looked like for you. 
Yeah. So, I mean, you know, they, they always say find someone who's doing what you want to do and, and, you know, ask them, rip off and duplicate and that sort of stuff. And I, I had this mentor, his name was Hugh. Um, he, was, he was an older guy in the real estate industry at the time. So, you know, there's always these, these young guys and then there's these guys that you go and like, why are you even still selling? Like, what are you doing? Right. And, and Hugh was kind of one of those guys. Well, you know, I was, I was struggling because I was at another company. I wasn't with, with Keller Williams. I had no real training or anything like that. And, you know, I actually remember my first month kind of getting handed a phone book and uh, an ad for a bus ad um, and got told to go do those things <laughs> and then go get a, um, a really expensive lease in a BMW or a Mercedes. And that'll all motivate you to do yeah. the job. I didn't do any of that, by the way. I was like, yeah, there's no <laughs> way I'm doing that. Like, I'll just keep bartending part-time yeah. <laughs> and figure it out. So so then I meet Hugh, and he's looking for some help for someone to pass some leads to, right? You go to your, your rookie agents, and you start handing them leads. And, and he said, you know, I got this system. It's generating me some leads. And, you know, I think you're a great guy. Why don't, why don't you work it? And I think we met, and, and Hugh might know better, but I think we met, um, I covered an open house for him. Okay. And, and that's how the relationship started. And uh, he tells me he's got this system. And, and you know, when a 60-something-year-old tells you they got a system, you kind of <laughs> go, I don't know, but, but okay, let's give it a look here. And, and he tells me, you know, he's, he's like, you know, when I moved to the area, I knew nobody, and here's how I farmed it. And I'm going, farming doesn't work. Everyone's saying this doesn't work. And he's like, no, 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 just trust me. You know, we got a system. We're going to implement it. I'm going to partner with you on the system. Yep. And we're going to go ahead and do it. So, so we do that. Right. I mean, and, and do you want me to like get into what the system was? Yeah, that's, I loved it. Sure. So, so it's, it's the first thing is, is it starts with a combination of manual as well as, as online. So that was the, the first thing. So we had a website built, a landing page, which, you know, everyone's got landing pages now, 10 years ago, they weren't as popular. So we had a landing page and specific instruction. And the first part of that specific instruction was the web the domain name had to say the area that you, you were farming yep. and it had to create urgency. So we called it the 24 hour. And at the time it was Huron village, the 24 hour Huron village house prices.com yep. really, really long, but <laughs> very clear on what yep. it was exactly. <laughs> at any point in the day, you can get house prices. So, so we started with the domain and then we built out a landing page we took pictures of the neighborhood, some, some very recognizable landmarks that was part of the process. We had it on this nice little website and all you had to do was fill in your information, hit submit. And within 24 hours, you get a message. Within 24 hours from this, someone will hand deliver your package. So that was sort of step one. Yeah. Step two was a, a black and white flyer, uh, five by seven postcard that had to be canary yellow. That was, that was one of the other rules. It had to be canary yellow. I was like, ah, oh, but I like blue. Nope, it's not allowed to be blue. Yeah. It has to be. And, and similar, Ryan, to, you know, if you look over your right shoulder, your, your dummies book, that kind of a yellow. Like yeah. it had to pop. It had to be bright. And, um, you know, I tried to fight this. Every chance I got, I was like, I don't like the flyer. And I would try to redesign it. And, and he would just say, nope, we're not going to do it. We're going to do it this way. So we would then order you know thousands of these flyers we run the the turnover rate in the neighborhood and we always wanted a seven to eight percent or greater turnover ratio in the neighborhood we pick our houses and then we would we would do an unaddressed ad mail drop because at the time the company i worked for had a really great deal with canada post it was like seven cents per letter so it was actually cheaper for me to do it than to spend my days door knocking getting it out there so i was like great 
So we would we would print the flyers, we'd do the unaddressed ad mail, we'd pick the neighborhood through the postal walks, we'd run through the turnover rate to make sure that it makes sense, we'd drop the flyer, and every month consistently we'd get over 100 new people signing up for their, their 24 hour Huron Village house price. We then had a monthly report that we created. Um, we never told the addresses, but we would say, you know, type of house. So we, we, each page was a style of home. So single detached, semi-detached townhouses, apartment in this report. And it would tell you the averages for what they sold for. And, and we would list that in there ballpark but we you know we were well within rico standards we weren't breaking any rules or anything like that and that face-to-face belly-to-belly handshake agreement coming in here's your report nice to meet you and then we would we would have a follow-up system to talk to them on a monthly basis and for the first year that we did it every month we actually hand delivered over 100 flyers or sorry 100 uh reports back to these potential sellers and then quantifying them down when are you going to sell what's that going to look like et cetera et cetera the first four months, we did nothing. It was a ghost. Um, made me question if, if what I was doing was working. Um, and, and at that point, that's all we were doing. We hadn't implemented anything yet into it. You know, lead with revenue is always, you know, the, the way I've learned to, to do business. I didn't know that that was a thing. Like, you know, it was a saying within Keller Williams, but it just lead with revenue. I didn't want to spend until I made. And I was already in such a huge cost in flyers yeah. and everything else and mail outs. And, you know, it was costing a few grand every month to get all this done. And I really didn't think of a budget. So I was kind of just winging it. Yeah, let's just go and hope for the best and, you know, stick it on the credit card or the line of credit and see what happens. But month number six, we, we start getting calls. So we get the first, we get the first listing. And I say to say to my, you know, my business partner at the time, I was like, you know what, I want to kind of blow this thing out. And he says, what do you mean? I said, well, what if we took it even further? And what if we added in some additional you know, fun stuff. So we actually got custom signs made for the area. We had, you know, different backdrops, depending on what side of the neighborhood you lived in, what the landmark was going to be. We tagged ourselves as your Huron Village specialists. And, and, you know, we really implemented a lot of that stuff. And then we started taking at the six month mark, I think we took eight, eight or nine listings in the first sort of three months from there. So now we're at month nine, we're at nine listings and nine buys. And then we got really, really busy with it. So clients started showing up, people started responding well, you know, and, and it starts falling apart because there's no real system in place, so to speak. And so start get first thing that starts happening is we get too busy to do the drop-offs. So that, you know, right away, it's like, what, what can we ditch? I don't have an hour every day to do, to do mail outs to people. So that starts falling. We start emailing them. Well, that doesn't get the same traction. It doesn't get the same stuff back. First problem. Second problem, we start missing leads, right? I mean, you're busy, you're working these transactions. Yeah, I'll call that guy tomorrow. By the time you call, they're listed with somebody else. Um, and, and it just started falling apart. And then like in prototypical fashion, when you have something that works as a real estate agent, what do you do? You stop doing it. Yep. So we stop doing the mail outs. We assume we have enough people. Oh, we got eight, 900 people here. We don't need to keep doing this. And then we stop following up with those eight or 900 and the whole thing goes to hell and, and falls apart. And we just never picked it back up again, unfortunately. Now we do a lot of farming now within the team, but as, as a solo at that point in time, um, it was a great system. It was a proven system taught to us by a veteran of the real estate industry. He's now long retired and, uh, and it got us a ton of business from it. 
I, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there because I that's mirroring my my story as well. So I I was the older agent. I brought in a younger agent, and he was a go getter hustler. And I said, hey, I've got a system that I developed. It was my initial farming system that I took different things. It's very similar. We did a report. We hand delivered them each month. We got too busy. We ended up getting 400 plus people on the report and we were hand delivering those every month and it got so busy. We started, took us about four months to get the deals and then we got so busy doing it. And I find that for a lot of agents, there's a lot of points that they can fall apart. And you, you brought up a lot of those. So you mentioned the first six months not getting anything. And that's where a lot of agents fall off because they don't get the results right away. And then they, they spent all that money they get frustrated and then they, then they don't do it. Then they start getting the deals for some agents. They don't know how to handle the deals. Now they don't know how to, if they're new or they may not know how to do it. And then you said you get, you got too much and they don't have the systems in place as well. So now going back and looking at what you've done and what you did had had done, what would you do differently if you were to go back and, and do that over again? Well, I'd probably shift my mindset on it, right? So, so being that first, you know, junior agent, rookie agent in the first few years of my career, a lot of scarcity, right? Yeah. So I got to get a deal. I got to do something. I got to get a deal, right? I need it now. I need it now. I need it now. And and I, I would go back and sort of tell myself, hey, just just relax. Like it's going to come. <laughs> it's going to work. Um, trust the system. And, and not knowing anything back then, you know, having that mentor and Hugh that, that knew it worked. But, but I don't know that he ever said to me, hey, young buck, shut up and just, just do the job. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the second thing I'd probably do is I would, I would make a bigger commitment, right? Like I said, I, I, we were winging it. So I didn't budget it. I didn't run the numbers. I didn't know the cost over time. We didn't yeah. do any of that stuff. It was just like, this is supposed to work <laughs> and assumed it was going to work in the first 30 days. Like, yeah, we're going to do this. And 30 days later, we're going to put a sign on the lawn and then that'll fund the next yeah. month. And, you know, we'll make a little money and we'll reinvest some of the capital we're going to make. And then when you do nothing for three months in that plan, it is completely yeah. nerve wracking. Um, so, so I'd set a clear budget. I'd make sure I'd have the cash and, and I probably would have, would have done a, a little bit of a smaller area. I think we were doing over 1800 houses to start just arbitrary number. This area looks good. Yeah. How many houses? 1800. Sure. Go for it. Um, but when you're printing 1800 flyers every month and doing 1800 unaddressed ad mails every month, yeah. the, the cost catches up to you quickly and without a budget and, and a long-term plan around it. I, I wouldn't have done that again. Um, and then the third thing is, is I would have probably stuck it out longer. So I would have looked at and said, okay, so now that I'm going to start getting business, what are the systems that are in place to effectively work that business and to leverage that business to generating other business within that farm so that I didn't have to go anywhere else. Um, and, and, you know, had we stuck with it, there would have been opportunity to hire or to bring other agents in and, and give some of those leads out and, and continue to work that way. And realizing that what I know now is a listing so much more easier than a buyer. And so rather than, especially right now, <laughs> oh, it's, it's, and especially right now. Right. And so rather than taking these listings and creating all this panic around it, oh my God, there's so much to do just document it, systematize it. And, and you can do a listing in, in a half a day versus a buyer that's going to take you maybe five, five or six weeks. So that those would be the things I would have probably changed. And, you know, even remembering back to some of the pain points as the money started running out early and, and then like hand delivering the flyers, you know, well, we can't afford to, can't afford to do it. So I got to go door knock 1800 yeah. homes this month and hope for the best. Right. So it was, it was just a little challenging in that way. Yeah, you brought up a lot of things that I teach. The first one is 
it's I say it's it's better to scale up than to scale back. And I always tell people that the biggest mistake that I see a lot of agents make is they go too big and then they get into it. They commit, they've got a few months and they commit. And then all of a sudden they realize at 1800 homes, I got a, a time commitment and the money commitment. Then they try to pull back and I'd rather see someone do 500 homes and then go to 800 homes and a thousand homes. The other thing you mentioned is you, you had to commit long-term. And if you don't commit long-term, that's, that's when agents get easily distracted or go, okay, I'm, I'm going to jump out. And you got to have that plan in place. Cause if you don't, it's so easy to go, all right, I'm just going to jump ship. And yeah. And, and, and to that point, right? Like when we, when we decide to farm a neighborhood, so, so we encourage our agents to, to look at, so we've got 14 agents. We encourage them to at least look at their neighborhood that they're currently in and, yep. and let's do a mini farm, right? It doesn't have to be a massive farm. It's yep. just a mini farm. You're, you're leaving there and you're going there every single day. Yep. Let's check the turnover rate and see if it makes sense. And we can do it so quickly, yep. but I kept a lot of that stuff, right? It's still a canary yellow flyer. Yep. Everyone still argues with me on that. <laughs> I'm now the guy that's now replaced Hugh. And I'm like, no, 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 gotta be canary yep. yellow. And I, it, I have the code in, in my uh, notes saved and it's, you know, the, the, the hex code. <laughs> yeah, the color. I know exactly what yep. color it is. <laughs> nothing better than calling a printer and going, hey, do you have this hex code in paper? It's <laughs> like, what are you talking about? But we've, we've never gotten off that piece. And if anyone's listening and, and wants to try it and test it out, you will have far more success with Canary Yellow than any other color scheme out there that we try to do. And, and I think part of the reason what I've come to realize is when you get a yellow flyer in the mail, it screams urgency. All right, nothing good comes in yellow in your mail. It's like, is my is my heat getting cut off? Is I'm getting evicted? Like, what's going on here? So it at least forces them to look at it. Um, and then the other thing that that we still do to this day is we find someone that lives in the neighborhood and we ask them to keep a resource of every flyer they get over a 30 to 60 day period. Yeah. I just want to know who my competition is. I just want to know who's spending time and effort in there. And, and so that I can figure out, does this person have a stranglehold on the neighborhood, which we know they never do, yeah. but who is my main competitor? Who am I going to be up against? And how can I manage that when I'm sitting at the listing table? Because inevitably you hear it, right? Like, why would we list with you versus yeah. so-and-so? He seems to do all the sales in the neighborhood. And, and to be able to turn around and say, really? Because he only has 10% market share of this entire neighborhood. Yeah. And, you know, we're seeing a lot other agents with a lot more that are quietly doing it. So it's, it's just really good rebuttal and objection yeah. handling to, to know your facts. I think asking them to then hold on to it gives them buy-in from to you so that that consumer now is committed to you. They're helping you out and there's some indebtedness and, and they feel like they want to help you. And I think it's also great to get that information because it's also nice to see what people are doing and what they aren't doing. I think it's important to see what they aren't because a lot of people will look and say, well, someone, so-and-so is doing this, this, and this. It's like, yeah, but what aren't they offering? What services aren't they promoting? What aren't they getting out there? And you can then find that void in the market and go, okay, no one's doing this. No one's doing it like that. And right. that could be how you, how you do well, it. And when you, you know, one, one of the things I always realized is the, <laughs> the R and D departments of realtors are, <laughs> it's you know you see those memes and it's like yeah you can copy my homework but change it a little it's it's almost the same flyer every yeah. single time and and you'll get 30 of these from 30 different real estate agents and they're yeah. all identical and just like social media our brain just turns it off yeah exactly. you don't see it anymore and um i did this near one of my listings i actually put a recycle bin next to the mail the super boxes and and i would just check it on a weekly basis and every week it would be full of all of those realtors flyers and ours would barely ever be in there. 
And it was just one of the smart research thing to do that, to put a bin in there. Then you just pick it up. You're the one who does it. Yeah. I'm helping the community. (laughs) And and then B, you know, I get the opportunity to see how many of my flyers are getting thrown out. And, And that was something I wanted to market research as well. And so what I started seeing is everybody else's flyers. And I saw a lot less of my flyers in there. And that told me that the canary yellow was working where people were like, Oh, we got to take this with us. Even though it was still the same flyer, get a yeah. home evaluation, get your prices. It just didn't make the recycle bin nearly, I, I think it was about 10% at the rate of everybody else's flyer hitting the recycle bin. And then I got my flyers back. So <laughs> exactly. That's good. <laughs> I started doing some recycling yeah. in there. <laughs> it's good for the environment. It's good for everybody. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It was a win. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it's important for agents to do that testing. And I think a lot of agents struggle with, they just come up with an idea, they, they, they R&D something, and then they just send it out and then they don't test it and they don't, and they don't tweak it. And that's one of the things that we did. So we tried different things. We tried Canada Post, we tried flyer companies, and then we hired students in the area to deliver it. And then we tr- t- tried the different times of day. And for us, what we found was between 3.30 and 5.30 to have the kids deliver them. So as soon as they get home from school, they'd go deliver them because then the psychology was people were coming home from work and they're walking. So we put them in the doors. So we slip them in the weather stripping. Then they'd walk into their house. They'd grab the postcard of the door and then walk now. So they're bringing it into the house versus on the the mornings because we had some people say, well, I'll deliver it in the mornings. I said, no, because they're on their way out to work. It's going to drop on the porch. They're going to overlook it or they're going to get it later. So we did little things like that to really tweak it. And I think, there's a lot of agents who don't think about those things and that's okay if you don't, but it's those small little nuances that, that can make the difference between 10%. Well, and 20%. You know, I, I think one of my favorite lines coming from Gary Keller is, you know, you have to inspect what you expect. Right. Yeah. And so if you're not, if you're not doing your AV testing, if you're not checking what it is and you know, there's, there's so many different ways to farm now. Right. I mean, we'll farm a neighborhood with, with a social media ad now because yeah. we've learned how to do really specific targeting. We're always using the landing page that that piece hasn't gone away. Yeah. And then, and then the proofs in the follow-up, right. Anyone can generate names, anyone. One of the things now that we, we used to do as well, um, as we got better and better at it and brought the system back and, and things like that is we then did um, increased activity in the neighborhood. So we would be at the coffee shops, we would host, you know, promos. I remember yep. there being a new pizza store opening up and like ranning, ran right in there and like, what can we do together? And, yep. and really being a force in the neighborhood. And, you know, we'd hold, hold summer barbecues there and invite all the neighbors yep. out and, you know, things like that. And, and over time you do become those people, you become part of that neighborhood now. And I do have a disclaimer for anyone farming their own neighborhood. Um, make sure the person you're listing isn't crazy. And and that's, (laughs) yeah, that is very true. Just, just make sure that they're not nuts because, you know, I I had a a guy that we listed and hopefully he never listens to the show and hears it, but (laughs) you know, he he was a great guy on the surface. We used to walk by with the dogs. I'd see him all the time, you know, give him a wave. How you doing? And, you know, he signed up and and we became kind of acquaintances through that. And, um, you know, we talk all the time. And then, you know, he said to me one day, you know, hey, we're ready to list. You know, we want you to list our home. We're ready to list. I thought, oh, here we go. Like, this is great. It's working. It's still working. So list the home and, you know, you give them the CMA. And at the time, again, not as good as I am today, not as scripted as I was. And he says, I want to list higher. Okay, well, let's try it your way, this and that. And, you know, I end up stuck in this listing that that is overpriced. And, and we're getting a lot of showings, but no offers. So, so I know I'm not far off, but I'm, I'm at least 5% over where I should be. And 
you know, a couple of weeks go by and, and it doesn't sell right away. I actually take the home down and I relist it. And when I relist it, the, the crazy switch goes on out of nowhere. I start getting these text messages. Hey, notice your home today. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, I went into work, didn't have a busy day. Typical realtor, thought I'd come home. It's middle of summer. I'm going to enjoy a little bit of downtime, right, before I go back out tonight. Didn't think anything of it. Yeah, how are you? <laughs> and then it started, he started tracking my time. And I would get messages at 8 o'clock, and he'd go, hey, um, notice you were home at 5. How come you weren't out trying to sell my house? Notice you popped home for lunch. How come you weren't out selling my house? And it just got to a point that I was, you know, we were on a crescent. So one, you know, one way in another way out kind of thing. I started taking the other way in and out. So you wouldn't notice when I was home. And then I started parking in my garage. So <laughs> we'd come in and out from the opposite end of the street. So you couldn't see me. You'd have to walk down the street to see my house. Yeah. And then I would uh, I'd slip into my garage and, and, you know, leave the main floor lights off and things like that until we got the home sold. And then it sold and, and it was like the switch went back off yeah. and it was fine again. So if you are going to farm your own neighborhood, just know that the proximity to your home may cause you some tension if yeah. you get a client that is is unsatisfied with your services or, or the way things are going. And yeah, that's a that's a great point because I get a lot of agents that ask me or they think oh, I should farm my own neighbor because I live there and I, I warn them it's like yes that's good but and. you need to know <laughs> and yes and and there, you, if you don't want to be a celebrity in the neighborhood you have to take that into account if you if you don't want to be mixing and mingling you have to take that into account just because you live there doesn't mean it's a good neighborhood as well just because from the from the stats and the turnover rates and things like that so it can be great you just have to know that it comes with yeah certain pros and cons well and it's funny because my street now so so i've since moved and and you know made a couple of real estate moves since then and then the street i live on now there's another realtor another prominent realtor that lives on the street and he's, he's a good friend of mine i you know i got nothing but good things to say about this individual and i told him flat out i said this is your street yeah. so the rest <laughs> of the neighborhood we're gonna fight over I said, yeah this is your street because i'm still so jaded from that that one <laughs> time that it happened and and so he lives on the one end of the street i live on the complete opposite end of the street and I don't even talk to the people like they, they'll talk to me and be like, hey, you're a realtor, too. And, you know, you're the same as Jay, this and that. And I was like, yeah, yeah, go talk to Jay. And they're just like, what? I'm like, yeah, he's, he's down there. You go over there and, and bug him. And so he's sort of the, the, the known realtor on the street. But then, you know, we do business and compete all, in the entire neighborhood all the time. I just won't do it on my street anymore. It's just, it's way too convoluted. And there's just too much, too many eyes. And I live in one of those neighborhoods where, 80 to 90% of the streets retired. So they have nothing else to do. Like, they, exactly. It's incredible to me. Like we, we got a pool put in a couple of years ago and I had a neighbor I've never met lives so far away from me. And she was like, Hey, how's the pool? I'm like, I don't even know you. How do you know yeah. what I'm doing? <laughs> she goes, oh, I was talking to so-and-so and they were talking to so-and-so and we heard you had a little bit of trouble. <laughs> Yeah. So I just refuse to farm my own street anymore. I'll farm in the neighborhood, but I just won't touch my street. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. And I think a lot of agents then also, because they live in it, they're more hyper aware of what's happening in the area as far as other agents. And I think that turns away a lot of agents because they go, oh, I can't because so-and-so is doing it. Or I can't do this. So it's like, you got to just take a step back, look at it, detach yourself from the situation, then say, okay, is this the right fit for me? And if it's not. 100%. Yeah, just don't, just don't be attached to the outcome, right? For me, yeah. it's, you know, when I drive home, I don't want to be thinking about work, right? Yeah. When I pull into the neighborhood, 
I don't think about work. I, I want to yeah. turn off. I want to enjoy my drive, you know, wave to the neighbors, take the kids to the park and not talk real estate. Yeah. When I, when my previous neighborhood, I, I had that local celebrity thing happening. So I, you know, you'd go to the park with your kids and someone's asking you real estate questions. You're like, man, it's Saturday at noon. <laughs> like an open house in a couple hours. Leave me be. Let me just spend some time with my family. What's my house worth? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. What do you what do you got up there? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So that that's my you know if you are gonna do your own neighborhood, just just know what comes with it, and you're gonna have you're gonna have you're always gonna be on in your neighborhood. But that might also be an easy version for you. Yep. Then you just always be on in your neighborhood. So it, it works both ways. So before we wrap up, I want to dive in a little bit about the uh, the micro opportunities and those micro farms. You mentioned the people on your team. You get them to look at that. What are you doing to create some opportunities in there because for a lot of agents, they may not be ready to take on a full size farm and they may want to be doing a smaller pocket. So what are your agents doing to, to get business from that? Um, you know, if you, if you take it really micro, you know, pick 10 streets, right? I mean, keep it simple, pick 10 streets, hundred homes and just start there. Yeah. Um, offer your services, offer CMAs, talk to the neighbors, become really friendly, let them know what you're doing, let them know that, you, you know, just don't hide from it. Hey, I, I'm going to be your local neighborhood specialist, right? Start to, you know, check with Rico, make sure you can say the things that you want to say. I believe the word specialist is still okay that you can say that. Um, and then communicating that, but don't, don't limp into this. If you're going to do it, commit to the year, commit to two years. I was talking with Chris Knight and a good friend of mine. Um, I'm sure you've had him on the show as well. He's a, actually recording this afternoon. So I'm recording with him right after this. He's, he's a farming monster. And, and I mean, he built his stuff that way. And, and Chris looked at it a little bit and, and helped me with this as well. He said, Andre, anything you do, two years. Yep. Don't limp in at one year because one year might not be enough. Yeah commit for two. And, and I'm sure he'll share that story on, on his episode as well when he gets here. And then just you know, be attached to the outcome in the sense of knowing your numbers, knowing your facts, knowing what's happening in the region, giving yourself the opportunity to know that, become that specialist, like know off the top of your head how much it's gonna sell for without even having to go into the home. And that'll give the, the neighborhood confidence that you're the guy. And then get out of your head. No one has a stranglehold on anything. Yeah. None of us do, right? I mean, our team did over 200 transactions and in our area, Yes, we're in the top 1%. We have a 2% total market share of the entire region. That is nothing. It's, yeah. it's peanuts. It's, it's nothing. And, and when we look at the top 20% of this region, the top 20% only has about 20% market share. There's still exactly. 80% out there that's, that's looking to be gobbled up and, and being worked by you know, part-timers and things like that. So get out of your way, get out of your head. That's a great point. I, I mention this all the time that a lot of agents think that they're trying to compete against the, the bigger agents. And I say, you're not competing against the bigger agents and you're not competing against the people who have friends and family because the friends and family, you're going to do friends and family deals. They're yeah. going to work with them regardless. Yeah. If, neighbor, if your neighbor has a wife who's an agent or a brother, they're going to do business with them. And there's going to be a certain percentage of the people that are going to do business with the, the larger teams just because you're trying to go after the people who were got picked up at an open house that were a random sign call that were though that's where you can get that market share to get started and then once you get that then you become the go-to agent and the big agent so look for those the the 80 and try to capture that and then and you'll grow it well, there's no such thing as a as a as a short supply of, of like there's a short supply of inventory but for realtors there is no shortage of homes to sell 
Yeah. There is a lot of opportunity. There's the investment niche, there's, there's farming, there's, there's so much opportunity out here. You know, even just this area alone, there's over 10, 11,000 homes that are sold on an annual basis. And there'll be more than that this year with the current conditions in the market. Yeah. So get out of your way, get out of your head, yeah. stop thinking that, you know, th this is only one way to do this, or there's only one way to farm. There's so many different ways to farm a neighborhood. You know, you can, you, there's either other types of farms, even within farming, you know, there's geographic, there's, there's, you know, demographic, there's psychographic farms. Like there's so many different ways that you can, you can come at this thing. Right. Um, I know, you know, someone out of, out of the Burlington area, he just does first time home buyers and he just does it through seminars and he just does it that way. Well, that's a demographic farm. Yeah. First time home buyers are usually going to be a certain age and a certain demographic and you're just you're targeting that so you know as as realtors I think you know we come into this and, and we talk about it on our show quite a bit and we talk about the hustle side of things and, and people that want to give up and people that, you know, think this is going to be easy and it's just going to be this ride. You know, I'm going to get my phone, my phone's going to ring and hop into my BMW. It's going to be white. It's going to be tinted. It's going to be great. I'm going to yeah. jump out with my suit and the wind's going to blow my hair. It's none of that guys. Yeah. Like you got to come in, you got to test it. You got to be willing to put the work in, spend the money, you know, like we mentioned, do some of that AV testing, figure out, get creative, right? Stick recycle bins out, find out who your competition is and know that there, you know, there's no, there's more than enough business for all of us and everyone coming into the industry. Awesome. So if you were to give one piece of advice for our viewers, sum up what you're, what you think, let us hear it. <laughs> um, one, one big piece of advice. Um, I would say go back to um, go back to basics and in, in the times that we are in right now, the challenges times that we are, the old school stuff still works. Yeah. So stop looking for the fancy pill doesn't exist. Get, get in your farm, get in your area, um, be that specialist and, and get out of your way. You don't need some new piece of something, follow up, get the leads. That's all you got to do. Awesome. That's great advice. And the last segment we always do is the best book. So what's one book that you would recommend that's either changed your life or you think would make a big impact on our viewers? So, so I'm going to give you two. And I know I'm going to break I'll, the rules. I'll let you have two. However, <laughs> uh, if I can, I'll, I'll do two. So right now, we just we just implemented the 12-week year. Um, it was 2020's book of the year. Everyone's talking about it. We love it. I'm a, I'm a basketball guy. I'm a hockey guy. I'm a sports guy. So so thinking in quarters, thinking in chunks works in my brain. You know, I, I played a lot of sports growing up as well. So 12-week year, quick summary is just, you know, chunk out your year. Don't look at it in 365 days. Look at it in a, in a three-month window, set short goals sprint to them and then take a break um, the second book i recommend is tribal millionaires um, who you hang with matters who you surround yourself with matters and so if you want to go somewhere you want to be great in this industry start hanging out with people that are where you want to go be the dumbest in the room <laughs> and it'll always pay off for you so those, those are my two recommendations i think every realtor has to read or right now the dumbest on the zoom call because you may not be able to hang out <laughs> right exactly exactly awesome. so how can our viewers check out what you're up to and find out what you're doing Number of different ways. So um, I mentioned the brokerage. So Keller Williams Golden Triangle Realty out of Waterloo Region. If you're thinking about coming this way, reach out to us. Um, email text andrechin at kw.com. 
519-505-2775. Those are, you know, two easiest ways to get a hold of me. And then we're on social media, Andre Chin KW, um, on Instagram, primary place you'll find me. And then if you're looking at checking out, I'm going to do a shameless plug. If you're looking at checking out the other side of, of the podcast world, we tackle a lot of the, the heavy hitting stuff from the hustling side of things and, and really building big businesses. And that's the real estate hustle podcast.com. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're everywhere. We're on Apple music, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. Awesome. Well, we'll put those in the show notes so people can check that out. So thank you, Andre, for being on here. It's great advice and it's great to hear where you came from and how you're getting there and the future of where you're headed. So thanks for sharing your, your wisdom with our, with our audience. Appreciate you very much. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for checking out today's episode. If you'd like more videos like this, be sure to sub- like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out our Facebook page and our other social media channels. Looking forward to bringing you more great content like this and happy farming. Happy farming.